Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Adjacent. You're listening to the Sports Adjacent. Okay, I like that. I just learned something new today. Adjacent. With Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey on the House of L Network. We're doing everything I dreamed of as an adjacent. Do you often, or have you often in your career had to call somebody, kind of cold call somebody for a story? Somebody that, like, you didn't actually know, but you got their number because you're trying to track them down. Maybe, like, um, I know a while back you were doing a story about the mid-2000s White Sox mm-hmm. teams. I think you are actually doing a story about the 06 White Sox team, the year right. after they won the championship. And so, like, maybe you had to track down somebody, like, you had to get somebody's phone number and call them, and they didn't know you or anything. Like, how often have you, how often do you or have you had to do that where you're introducing yourself to somebody in a phone call, basically? Uh, every once in a while, I think it happens a lot with like people in the industry now, like agents and whatnot. It's more that than people with stories, because usually the way I like to operate is if I'm working on a story and I'm talking to somebody and somebody they know is somebody I also need to talk to. It's like, hey, can you let them know? So it's not that weird interaction. Yeah. My way had that experience. My way to smooth that over typically is I actually do not call people, period. I If I get somebody's number, I will text them and explain who I am and why I want to talk to them and ask them, is it all right if I call you or is there a time I can call you or could you call me? Because I don't think anybody, I fe- it feels too, especially if you're someone somewhat famous, I think, it feels way too intimate and invasive that somebody can just call your phone. That you could just be in the middle of anything and get a call from a reporter. And I don't want to give somebody else that feeling. I'm much more about texting uh, to explain and then, you know, hopefully get a response and get a call back or get a time that I could call them back. Um, but you didn't have that 20, 20 years ago. I, uh, I had that happen a couple of weeks ago because I was doing a story related to the 85 Bears. And I don't really know many of those guys it's way before i mean it's basically when i was born so i definitely don't have any relationship of covering these people other than in their post football career but i one of the people i talked to was i got a hold of texted and asked him you know when can we talk or something like that was mike singletary the hall of fame linebacker one of the greatest chicago bears of all time and incidentally like the week before Mike Singletary had spoken at my church and we had gone to see him speak. And my dad came and um, incredible speaker. If you've never heard Mike Singletary speak, he's amazing. And he's had a, a lot go on in his life. And he's gone through like very deep, um, like soul searching at different points in his life because of things that have gone on with his family. It was a great speaker. So when I got a hold of him. Yeah. And, and Mike Singletary has a voice that makes you listen. Like, I know he didn't have a good run as an NFL head coach, 
But I don't think there was any time where Mike Singletary started talking and the and the guys were kind of tuning him out. Like that's a voice that makes you kind of sit up straight and and a face that kind of makes you like lock in. But I told him, I was like, hey, you know, I called him and I was trying to like kind of ease into things and make a little small talk. And I was like, hey, Mike, I um we'd seen you speak at our church just last week and it was really good and I really appreciated it. And uh, my family and I really enjoyed it. And he was very receptive, like wanted to keep talking about it. And, um, and then we moved on to talking about what I needed to interview him for. But it reminded me of uh, another time that I had tried to do that, like 20 years earlier, I was an intern in Miami. And this was actually the week that the bears were playing in the Super Bowl against the Colts. And they are in the weeks, I guess, leading up to that, they had wanted the paper had wanted me to have something in the paper every day that week about past Super Bowls in Miami. So the idea was find at least one person from every Super Bowl that's been in Miami. I think there maybe had been six or seven at that point and interview them about that game. So every day we can have kind of a look back to this Super Bowl or that Super Bowl. One of them was the Steelers. I don't remember which Super Bowl, but Lynn Swan, the Hall of Fame wide receiver, was the guy that I was tracking down for that. And Lynn Swan, I think at the time was a politician eventually went on to be the USC athletic director. And I'm not sure if what he does now, but um, my, my dad had grown up in Pittsburgh as a big fan of the Steelers. And so I thought this would be a great icebreaker with Lynn Swan. Once they finally get me on the phone with him um, and his secretary, whoever finally got him in touch with me. And I was like, Hey Lynn, I, you know, um, really, it's great to get to talk to you. Like my dad, not only grew up a Steelers fan, but a huge fan of you. He always talked about like these great plays you made and how much he enjoyed watching you play. And, uh, Lynn Spahn just goes, this is an interview, right? All right. Well, let me just, <clears throat> excuse me. Let me just get to my list of questions here. Yeah, that would be uh, that's tough. You never know what you're gonna get, man. It's one of those you gotta just take it on the chin and be like, "All right, I know where this is going." Yeah, and you have a, but you have so much less awareness of that. I think at 22, like I think I would recognize that right away now. But I've had so many times that um, I've had so many of those. Either either you call somebody. Or you actually are going in person and talking to somebody that you don't know. Like when I was uh, when I was covering University of Florida, so I was in Gainesville, Florida, kind of the middle of the state. They uh, they were really big. Our paper in South Florida was really. I was working for them, still just stationed, I guess, in Gainesville, and they were really big on spring training because half of spring training is in Florida and half of that spring training is in South Florida, kind of. Mm-hmm. With Port St. Lucie and West Palm Beach, and I think it used to be in Fort Lauderdale, places like that. Um, so anyway, while I was in Gainesville, they would every spring they'd be like, "Hey, go hit a few Gulf Coast spring training sites, like, and just give us a feature story. Like, go do a feature story on Miguel Cabrera. Go do a feature story on Dontrell Willis. Was uh, I think trying to make it with the Phillies or somebody at that point? Go do a uh, Yankees one, whatever, and." Um, what was the guy's name? Was it Hunter Pence? Was he the guy with like the real kind of wild hair and wild uh, batting stance? Yeah, I, I was. Yeah, he was with the Phillies. I'm, I'm. I hope I have the name right. I'm pretty sure I have the right guy. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're he right. Was with the, 
he was at the Phillies and I needed to talk to him. And uh, I, maybe he's a great guy because I only ever had this one experience with him. I don't have a book of experiences with him, but I was asking him questions uh, during like an open clubhouse or whatever, you know, before the game that day. And it was not going well. Like he was not cooperative. He was not receptive at all. He was unfriendly, which is fine. Like, you know, you don't have to, we're not here to make friends, I guess. Uh, but somebody else, another player from the team kind of walked over and was like, Hey, do you have a minute to Hunter? And he just looks up at the guy exaggeratingly and goes, Yes. <laughs> Tough. That same week that I was uh, calling people from old Miami Super Bowls, uh, one of the people I called was the very, very old Packers quarterback, Bart Starr. Do you know who yeah. I'm talking about? Yeah, um, I do. And granted, he was a lot older and probably not as busy as Lynn Swan or Hunter Pence. Um, but Bart Starr could not have been nicer. Bart Starr, like, wanted to, after I had finished asking him questions, wanted to, like, kind of hang out and chat on the phone for a while. Like, I really appreciate that. That's nice. it's a, you never know what you're going to get. Legend. You never know what you're going to get. You never know. No, you got to, you have to, especially as a, and the, and the one with you and Lynn Swan as a young kid, that sucks. <laughs> you got to go, go in straight shooter. And if somebody's really cool, you're like, ah. That was a cool development, but you have yeah. to go in like no bull. This is what I'm here for just to avoid those awkward situations. Yeah. <laughs> you just, I think when you're young, you, as a reporter, you think everyone wants to be interviewed. You think everybody I get a hold of is going to be happy to talk to me. They're good. They know what this is. I know what this is. It's all going to be very cooperative. And <laughs> when it is. Yeah, when it isn't, you're really thrown yeah. off. I mean, I think back to like my very first uh, time covering the NFL was 2006 covering Nick Saban. And like, Tone, you love these, you know, YouTube clips or whatever of Bears press conferences now. I can tell you mm -hmm. those 2006 Nick Saban press conferences were not like that. I was just sitting there like squirming trying to come up with a question that wasn't going to get completely obliterated by him. I was way overmatched at that point. What happens in both cases, though, is as you get older, and Russ, you know this, as you get older, more experienced, more confident in what you're doing, you're much more prepared to hold your own in those types of interviews. When they, if the other person kind of takes it sideways or, you know, gets combative with you, like, you know, you're not nearly as, as thrown off and reeling from that. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's a hundred percent a an experience thing, and I think in a lot of cases, I know for me and, and Jay Z probably experienced this too. Like I don't have time to be scared, right? I don't have time to. Oh, what are they gonna? I'm either gonna ask this question or I'm not, and either I'm gonna have yeah. a good story or I'm not. And so you kind of just have to say, "Well, screw it, we're here now." And it's easier said than done. I get it. And I've been in those moments where it's like, ah, I don't want to necessarily ask it. This person seems pretty like it. Sometimes it's like, hey, we just lost and we didn't lose in a great way. So I'm mm -hmm. feeling like oh, that happened. But you kind of grow out of that in the first after the first like year or two, maybe sooner. 
I think when you first start out, there's a little bit of like, hey, I'm almost whether you say it audibly or you're just thinking it, it's like, hey, I'm sorry, I have to ask this. But and I have gotten one of the things that has improved with experience and with, uh, I guess, success and with more confidence is I am so much less concerned about whether you're going to like the question that I ask you. It's going to be fine with me if you don't like it, but it needs to be asked. Now, when you cover a team, you're in a different position covering like all of Major League Baseball. I know you've been a beat writer in the past. When you cover one team, it's a little bit different because you have relationships with those people, whether good or bad, whether you did it intentionally or not, whether, you know, you you might say like, well, I don't really have a relationship with so-and-so, Justin Fields. But you do kind of have one based on whatever yours and his history is over three years. So there is some sense, hopefully, with people you cover that when you ask them a very pointed question or a a question about a sensitive subject or a question about one of their failures, that they understand that it isn't personal. It isn't that you're out to get them. Yeah. It's a little different when you're calling people. Yeah, for sure. When you're when you're there every day and you can talk to them outside of that setting, it is a lot easier to ask. I wouldn't even say the tough question, but the questions that need to be asked. And I've found in my career, especially on the beat, it's better. Let's get it out of the way right now. You know what needs to be asked. I know what needs to be asked. Let's just do it. And because there are people and you probably have some on your beat and I know people in my career who do the, I hate to have to ask you, like there are people that actually lead with that. Um, just ask. We all if there's anything I do, it's the, it's one of the things you said in there. It's where I, I, I think you were saying more like you're thinking this, but I will sometimes come out and say it like you understand this needs to be asked. Like that's not an apology. That's not a that's not trying to like dilute what I'm about to ask. It's me making sure you understand like this is a necessary question. And I and I hopefully that sends the message of like, you know you need to answer this. Yeah, no, I, I that's an interesting way to go about it. I've never I've always yeah, just thought it internally, like, well, I think everybody in this room knows what needs to happen now. As yeah. opposed to Somebody throwing up a softball, and then here comes Big Bad Russ with the "Why y'all shit the bed in the night?" Right? <laughs> like that, <laughs> right. That, yeah, that's something that that happens a lot more often than people realize, especially when you have like, and I'm not talking about anybody here in town, but it's like I've been on when I was a working for MLB.com and I would work cover like every team when somebody be out of town, right? The person from MLB.com wouldn't travel mm-hmm. and I'd be the person in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You're on a lot of beats where the RSN person gets to go first. And sometimes that person is not trying to ask about why this team shit the bed in the night. They never are. They never right? are. And a lot so of them then, they're either they're either similar to or they actually are team employees. So it's just like it it creates a a weird situation now between RSN person and then the beat because then it creates this weird situation where the beat feels like oh we're gonna get shit on because we had to ask the question that needs to be asked and here you went and 
threw a softball up that had no relation to anything that was happened or needed to be asked. So I've seen it all. So I, I get what you're saying. Um, it's interesting because I, and we talked about this a little in a pod before you as like my friend, Jason leisure and the guy that goes into that room on Sundays or up in Alice on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. two completely different people. Hmm. Tone, do you agree with me? How how do you think? Like, to me, the guy that goes in that room is no nonsense. He is not playing with you. And these are not slights, by the way. Uh, And we're not here to mess around. And you just hit, it's like you flip a switch and it's just like, Mm. you're just, and then you get here and it's like, ah, I want my friends. Why are you smiling so much, Tony? Well, I mean, this he enjoys doing this. This is not saying he doesn't enjoy I that, agree with that tone. I'm with this you. Is, I do think he this likes is doing a, it. This is a good time. You think I like you what? Know? You think I enjoy what? But, Which of the things? The press conferences? Well, what, no, no, no. What we do it's here. It's my job. In this it's the thing I'm... Okay. Uh, but, you know, that that's his job. And, you know, it's, it's a very competitive space. Uh, and there's a lot of people in there and everybody, you know, kind of, you know, wants to get in there. But the way Jason does goes into a, a, a press conference, it is all business for him. Um, and especially. Which has been most of his tenure, at least here, when they want to play in your face like Jason's not here for any of that. Not here for the game. So, like, it, we will experience a different professional Jason. If there was competency in the team, well, that that's covered. So if Mike that's was asking, that's to the Bears, so, you think that's a different true. version of Jason Leisure? That's yeah, true absolutely. Because I, I, I don't think it looked quite like this when I was covering the Heat, when it was Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley and LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Shane Battier and Ray Allen, all these people that were excellent at what they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't it's look so much like that. around here. No. There hasn't been much, no. And there wasn't much ever when I covered the Dolphins either. Um, I look at the I look at it and I've told this to people that I've covered. I've told this to coaches and players that I've covered is and executives that I've covered that like I look at that as kind of the playing field. Like when we go in the press conference room, it's kind of this game that we're playing of I'm trying to get answers out of you. And you're trying to protect whatever you need to protect. And we're going to compete against each other in that way. We're going to have kind of um, our goals are not going to be aligned when we're in that space. When we walk out of there, like I like most of, if not all of these people as people. Like it's not personal. It's not anything of like, I'm trying to take you down. It's like, I want, I, in the case of the bears and a lot of other teams I've covered that have not been good. It's a case of, I want to know why it got this bad and what you're going to do about it. And I am going to do my best when we're in that arena to pin you down on some answers. And, and if it's your fault, then it's your fault. But it's, that doesn't mean like I, I take no joy in somebody getting fired. I didn't like when Matt Nagy, and Ryan Pace got fired. I wasn't like, got him. I beat those guys or something like that. You know, as, as, people, I, as, as people, I don't want that to happen. But I would, I would ask you this. This is, some, this is something I've thought about a lot. 
lately because Justin Fields, the Bears quarterback, is probably on his way out of town. And I have been very critical of Justin Fields' play, but I would over the last three years, and I would stand by all of it, all of the criticism of his play. But I would tell you that I really like Justin Fields, the guy. I really respect him being 24, 22 when he started, 24 and handling this and the way that he carries himself and the interactions that I've had with him have been really good. There was one instance this past season where I asked him a question after a game and he didn't like it and didn't really answer it. And he came up to me afterward and he was, he could not have been more civil. And this is like what you want. He felt disrespected by the question that I'd asked him. I don't remember specifically what it was, but he came and I'd rather have a guy tell me that than sit there and seethe Uh over it, whatever. Like I'd rather that in all my relationships. I'd rather you tell me if you're upset with me about something and let's let's work through it like people. And he he came to me very civilly and said very calmly and flatly like, hey, I didn't want to answer that question because I felt like that was a very disrespectful question. And I told him, I didn't intend to disrespect you. I felt it was a question that needed to be asked, but I didn't intend any disrespect by it. And we shook hands and that was it. And we were good. Like I, I, I really admire that in another person to be able to deal with that. So while I've been very critical of his play, I think very highly of him as a person. And I would be plenty happy to see Justin Fields succeed as an NFL quarterback. I would tell him that like my criticism of his, him has been nothing personal, but I think he would say like, you're criticizing the most personal thing possible to me. You're criticizing the thing I put my entire life into every day and care about. And that's where it's like, it's very hard, I think, to maintain a relationship, a working relationship, a professional relationship that I can feel good about and confident in about how I've handled it when I know that the other person still, while they could, they could, I'm sure Justin Fields is smart enough or Matt Nagy is smart enough or anybody, any of these people I've covered are smart enough to say, I know this person, he's not attacking me as a person, but he is attacking one of the most important things possible to me. Sounds like you should be prepared just in case, though, to fight, though, just in case. Fight? What do you mean to fight? I, no. you, think, you think some of these dudes want sneaky chances? I think there's I think so. I think always so. one person, you catch them mm-hmm. on the right day, that out of here. Gone. Jaw. Gone. There was the one time I thought that was going to happen was to somebody else. And there was there is this guy who has covered the Miami Heat for a long time. I think all of their seasons because they've only been around since the '80s, and he's obnoxious. I mean, he's one of the most obnoxious reporters you'll find. And so Dwayne Wade had this guy covering him his entire career, and there was a time where I thought Wade was going to. It, it was just like it was like pregame, you know, some nothing game in Atlanta. It was pregame open locker room. And man, I, I he he had this look in his eyes. Dwayne Wade did like he was about to swing on this dude. You got you got to address it then, too. He's like, what? You want to punch me? You got to you got to address it right there. Right. Oh, man, did he want to. But that's, you know, that's somebody's lottery ticket. Like, you know, then they're. They, you know, yeah, because because it's like the money dudes are making now. I'm not going to risk that because you're a dickhead as a reporter. 
right? And they're, to your point, Jason, for that dude, like there's a lot of reporters who live for that, to be that guy. And most are not. 97% are not. But the like, you won't catch a spree well, right? You won't catch a sheet. <laughs> you won't catch a, a, a um, you know, a, a Kenyon Martin. Back in these when these dudes were wilding out. Yeah, fortunately, oh, like, everybody hey. you mentioned is very old school. It's not oh, yeah. today's modern day. They'll just send you a mean DM or something. Also, I don't think modern. I don't think athletes today. Um, get as riled up like they gaming and they're on twitch and like they on their phone like i don't care about you like who are you bro like i don't even i don't i don't think a lot i I think it's two different times that we live in chris dunn wanted to snuff me one time oh yeah for what yeah All right. Well, let's get what to a random, What <laughs> a random person to snuff you. Yeah. I, I want to hear this story in a second. Let's start the show and then we're going to come back to that story. All right. So just hold on to that for a minute there, Tom. <laughs> Welcome to Sports Adjacent. I'm Jason Leisure with my co host, Russ Dorsey. He's back, back from LA. We got the littest producer in the game, Tony Gill, about to tell us why Chris Dunn wanted to go 30 with him, I think. And I, uh, uh... I was going to say, I listened to the pod last week. Shout out to Maddie Lee for filling in for the boy. I'm yep. sorry that I I, we're, I missed the pod last week. Uh, but I did like how you tried to help me out. Like, Russ is having meetings in L.A. <laughs> so it sounds really like, cool. It sounds really cool. That sounds great. I'm going to tell you something about traffic in L.A. Not cool. Like, at all. Like, you know. Yeah. I like, mean, it always in is. L.A. is cool. Traffic right. in L.A. is not cool. Yeah. Tony Gill is presented by Sheets and Giggles, and you can go to our link, sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. And they're running their president's sale, President's Day sale through the end of the month, I believe. So when you get this on Friday morning, this is the sale that you can get um, that they're running. They're running this sale for everybody. $460 off the mattress. There's been 46 presidents. It's President's Day. So $460 off the mattress or $46 off the sheets. Everybody can get that. They don't even have to be listening to me right now and they can get that. But if you are listening to me right now and use our link, sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, you can get an extra 10% off on top of that. So it's like a there's a sale that everyone knows about. And then there's like a secret sale that only you listening to this know about where you can get an extra 10%. You can either use our promo code sheetsgiggles.com slash SA um, and that will apply the discount automatically, or you can just put sports in as the promo code. That'll apply the discount. So you get their President's Day sale, uh, $460 off the mattress or $46 off the sheets, plus another 10%. And, and I'm telling you, this is the best thing you could buy for your house, probably. Like, this is such an upgrade to your bed. The Sheets and Giggles mattress, the pillow, the sheet set. Sports Adjacent is also brought to you by BetMGM. You can go to BetMGM.com or download the BetMGM app. And get this offer with our promo code adjacent1000. Your first bet gets paid back in free future betting credits up to $1,500 if you don't win. Uh, You can bet on a ton of things over there. Um, NBA, college basketball, hockey. Uh, We're about to have March Madness. There's a lot of things, a lot of ways to uh, amuse yourself over at BetMGM. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. All right, so Chris Dunn. You were interviewing him, or, you, or this was a scrum, or what? What's the whole backstory of Chris Dunn wanting to get into it with you? 
So, to be honest, uh, leading up, like, it's hard for me to, when I'm, I guess I should start. I'm not a professional journalist, right? I didn't go to school for this like you guys. Um, I just love basketball, and I wanted to cover the Bulls. So mm-hmm. they, t- they sent me out there, and I was like, okay, cool. So, you were covering – this is like what season that you – there was a season where you were covering – or multiple seasons where you were covering the Bulls for the local yes. radio station here in Chicago, The Score. And I think you also had a Bulls podcast going. Yes. yes. So what what I'll, era? We're talking Jim Boylan era. Fred Hoiberg, Jim Boylan era. Okay. So okay. Nasty era. Nasty era. Yeah, that's sad. Oh, my Lord. God. That was when they got Dwayne Wade. They had Fred Hoiberg, like Mr. Running Gun, and then they brought in like the oldest, most deliberate offensive player in the league. Like Hall of Famer Dwayne Wade, but like late career, old man, mid-range game Dwayne Wade to play run and gun. That's when Garpack said, we want to be younger and more athletic, and they got older and less athletic. They got Rondo. Rondo was on those teams. Jimmy Butler and D-Wade. We're going to yeah. speed things up with Dwayne Wade and Rondo. Nasty. <laughs> All right, Tom, uh, come on. So through the year, obviously, they trade Jimmy Butler to get back Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and Laurie Markkinen. Um, And like I said, to be honest, I wasn't particularly positive in the way I asked my questions to Chris Dunn because, you know, in my head, I'm like, He's, this dude sucks. Like he's not going to be here <laughs> very long, and it's it's hard for me to like go into these things knowing like how I feel about these players because like I think something similar happened to Zach Levine. Me and Zach Levine, right? Like I have thoughts, I have opinions. I don't really like how you operate and do your job, mm-hmm. uh, and sometimes it comes out in the way I ask questions. So just as, uh, just as a as a point of fact on the ledger, it turned out you were right about both guys. Exactly. Just yeah, not about yeah. that, but neither nor there. I mean, Zach and who? Let's not. We're, we don't have time for this, but like, man, okay. he can, yeah, I'll help him pack. <laughs> uh, um. So there was open locker room pregame, and I'm like, you know what? Let me just go talk to Chris Dunn, and he had uh, he was going back and forth between like starting in coming off the bench so he got the start i think it was like preseason or something like that so open locker room he's sitting at his uh locker and i walk up i'm like hey what's up can i ask a couple questions he's like yeah so i asked him, i was like so well, how do you feel about you know getting the start confidence from the coaches softball question he gave me a you know bs answer whatever so i asked him, i was like you think you're gonna keep starting he was like, "What?" <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he was like, "He was like, you know what, man? Watch out!" And I was like, "All right, bet." And I just walked off. <laughs> don't, don't, don't! That's crazy. What did he say? If <laughs> it you think you'll keep starting? And his response bro, was, what? "What, bro?" His response. He said that. He was like, "Wait, what? What'd you say?" <laughs> And he's like, man, whatever, watch out. And then I was like, bet. And I just walked away. Tone, I would I would have snuffed you too if I'm gonna keep it a book. <laughs> Don't come up to me. I haven't been starting. So I need to kind of like make sure this keeps happening. 
And I don't need your energy coming over like, well, you think this is going to keep happening? <laughs> That's crazy. Tone oh, me. Man, he's he's asking him like it, like it's like like they've invited some kid from a, a local nonprofit to come out and start for it. And Tone's like, you, I mean, you know, like this is a one-time just, deal, right? You think you're going to keep starting? It's funnier to me because I just know how Tone talks, and that's how he right. talks. And I know he said it like, uh, you're going to keep starting? Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was obvious. I thought, like, look, you haven't been that good, you know, so far in your NBA life. And there's, like, I watch you not be good in your NBA life. So it's like we have – I thought we had this understanding that so far you have not been good at basketball. Yeah, sure. There we so go, Russ. That's what he thinks. He, th- he thinks start. that's the basis. Tone thinks that's the foundation of this professional relationship is we both agree that you suck. You know. You know. I'm, I'm pro Chris Dunn snuffing Tone because <laughs> Tone's literally 10 seconds away from saying – well, you're garbage, so they're really making a bad decision by starting <laughs> I mean, and shout out to Chris Dunn, because he's on the roster I saw the other night. He's on yeah, Utah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's it's surprising. It's like his fifth right? team, sixth team. Yeah, and no disrespect, right? You know, we know how his backstory, right? And uh, how hard he came <laughs> up, you know, yeah. gambling, playing dudes one-on-one for money that he didn't have, like, it's a very interesting story, you know, very story of his comeuppance. But, you know, you got the league and comeuppance. That's not what that means. But go ahead. Oh, well. Upbringing. Yeah, that thing. Comeuppance well, yeah, is, is what Chris Dunn was about to give you. That's what comeuppance <laughs> is. But, yeah, that was, that was my experience with uh, Chris Dunn. And Zach Levine also wanted to swing on you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't like the way some of these dudes go about doing their jobs. Like, Tell them, you don't expect... in the, you're not in the league. <laughs> Fair yeah, you're, that, you're, 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 I really think that's what really bothers yeah. me. Tell See, you're not like in the league. That makes a good point, a... because it'd be a lot different if you were like Udonis Haslam saying that, but you're just one of us. I, I know, but here's the thing. You're not going to disrespect my sensibilities when I watch you play. Bro, you want all these. I'm a, a high level athlete. You want all this stuff. You want all these accolades. I'm willing to give you. I'm willing to give you the praise and all the accolades that, that you would deserve. But you really? haven't done anything for me to do that. See, Tone was going in these locker rooms as a fan. I was. <laughs> yes. And it, it, yes. It meant every. Like, Absolutely. And he it, said right off the top, he's not like a journalist like us. <laughs> Chris Dunn said, he said, hey, bring one of these journalists over here because I don't like you. <laughs> right. Where's Callie? <laughs> don't, don't, right. Slash he's, anyone. Callie's worse. Callie's worse. Callie's worse. No. No, he's not. <sighs> That's a whole other time. He's, ha- he's handling it in a different <laughs> way than you are. He's handling yeah, it in a different ever... way than you are. But like yes. Tone is the fan that the, the players be going off on when they be like, you got people on Twitter, Tone. <laughs> Name one lock. Right? And they right. never play one game in NBA. Name and one lock. the PR staff let one of them into the locker room before a game. I don't tell no lies. This who told me I should start. Then <laughs> they'd be like, Chris well. Chris should ask you if you think you're going to get credentialed again. Yo, asking an NBA player, whether fair or not, if they're going to keep starting because Shrug is crazy. 
and he should middle of the middle of the Bulls locker room. I did not tell one lie, and I have been proving correct. Both of them, but got up out of here. well, one got up out of here, and the other one they trying to get up out of here. So tell, you know, I, Zach, I did not tell one lie. Zach is gonna make forty six million dollars a year over for the, the Detroit like, Pistons. Like you're not, <laughs> what were you right about? He got he got the max that. <laughs> I still, no, I still think he's right. They because re- they regret that. Anyone who had given him would have given him that. Would have regretted it, and nobody would give him that tomorrow. Say what we're you here want. now. We're, we're not, here now. It's not Zach's fault. Say what you want. He's ah. one of the most. All right, I'm I glad he got his money. I'm glad for anyone gets their money. AK I'm happy for him about that. Horrible at their job. I don't care if this is in there or not. They're horrible at their job. Zach Fair. is one of the most efficient shooters in the NBA. If you look across the board at, at, at for scoring at that clip, he's super efficient. Whether it fits this team or not is not his issue. That's AK and Mark Everly issue. But obviously, did fit another team too because they looked at that trade and was like, "We straight. Whatever. <laughs> we don't want any of that." So they should have yeah. both like tag team DDT tone into like a table. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we haven't talked to you since you changed jobs. I know that you've been kind of in between jobs here. I, that makes it sound like you're like unemployed in a bad way. You, you want, <laughs> I've been joking with all my friends. That I've been unemployed for the last month. Finally, got you off these streets, Russ, and back into into the workplace. Did you collect un- unemployment? No, Tony. Why not? You're unemployed. Here we go. You know, Tony would have. It doesn't work that way. You were out of a job. Any, anyway, anyway, it, it's it's not nearly as dramatic or drastic as it sounds. You had one situation that you were wrapping up and moving on from, uh-huh. and you were evaluating some options for your next situation. But uh, while I, while me and Tony have been aware of that, none of our audience, I don't think, has been aware of that. And now it's out there in the public that you're the new Yahoo Sports national baseball writer. What can you tell everybody about? this situation where you go from doing the Bally's show to now doing this? Um, It has been an interesting, I'd call it six months. Um, And honestly, it was more, one of the more, I guess, difficult times for me professionally, because at a time where I, you know, was on TV every day, and I had this platform as a national baseball insider. Things just like hadn't aligned in kind of the way I wanted them to. And there's stuff like behind the scenes that, you know, affect that. And you can't, you don't talk about it. And like, there were times where like, I wish I could have, right. You wish you, you could go to Twitter, go to your burner account, uh, mm-hmm. all those things. And it was, you know, I'll go to Europe. And before I go to Europe, I'm doing I'm contract negotiations for some different things. And I just didn't want to go to Europe and not be able to enjoy it. Right. Like it's a time where mm-hmm. I like dedicate to myself and I wanted to at least go and like understand that. All right. When I come back, I'm going to have a resolution. Yeah. And I did like I had it's no hard to go on before. vacation when it's like every 
idle thought is going to go back to this unresolved situation in your life? Like there were there was a there was a couple of weeks there around Thanksgiving where I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Europe and come back unemployed. Like to Tone's point, like actually unemployed. Like where I was thinking, like I don't know how to file for unemployment. I might have to learn. Um, but it's free agency is super fun for like my job. When you're the free agent, that is not fun at all. And you can't bring it up and it's hard to focus. And I want to apologize to y'all because there were some times where I felt like we would come on and we would record and my mind was in 12 different places and Mm -hmm. it felt like I couldn't pod like my normal self because I'm thinking of a lot of things. Like there was times where I'd have to, I, I, Talk to him, I'd have to push back, like, yo, can y'all give me 10 minutes? I'm on home with my agent. And like that stuff's really hard and it's challenging. And um you don't want to talk about it because I don't want to put that on people. And I think there's a there's a privilege in like, oh, I'm negotiating and it's it's tenuous. But the fact that you get to negotiate is a privilege in and of itself because most of the world doesn't yeah. get to negotiate. You know what I mean? Right. So like it's reasons like that. Like I don't like to bring it up all the time. And um, sometimes people don't necessarily understand or, and I don't want to put that on them. So I kind of like kept everything in the tuck. Like I even kept the, the, a lot of the Yahoo stuff in the tuck, even after I knew. So you guys had known that it was coming, but like most of the the world didn't until this week. And so I'm, super excited um to be over at yahoo and it is a a great opportunity for me uh an opportunity for me to be aligned with a brand that is has really built it's you know cut its teeth in sports for a while um people over that i know and love my man Vinny goodwill is over there you know being able to have him as a sounding board throughout the process uh my guys jake and jordan cespedes family barbecue on twitter um they're joining me as uh the baseball team and so i'm really excited i have a ton of support over there which is a blessing and yeah man i'm 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 really happy because it i'm just at a place where i am where i want to be i'm wanted by that place and then i have some other things you know cooking out here so okay there you go so are you have you officially started there or do you start soon or no the day the announcement happened uh was my first day and like i had a story okay. job okay so what what are people going to be able to see from you they're going to hear you on the oh uh, yeah so i'm going to be writing a ton which is fantastic i'm gonna be doing my normal baseball reporting uh mm-hmm. and then also i'm gonna be doing digital content over there too hence the new setup here um so i'm that's going to be attached to the stories that i write i'm going to be doing a lot of stuff for ig real TikTok, and you know using my expertise as a national reporter and insider where it's like hey this is what i'm hearing or this is why this deal was structured this way right so like for example shohei a video i would have done would have been let's let me tell you about why this is broken down like this right what this means how can a team fit 700 million dollars into their salary situation so a lot of cool stuff i'm really excited it allows me to flex the muscles i had it allows me to take muscles that i didn't get to use and use them 
and kind of blend my ability as a national writer and reporter with the fact that I like to use social media and where other people don't, right? Where it's part of my job now. Mm-hmm. So I think all those different things are are really cool. And, you know, I'm going to be traveling still. I'm going to be at the ballpark still. I'm going to be writing features and columns and stuff like that. So it is the next step for me in my career, a really big step, which I, I'm really excited about. But getting here, I'd be lying if I said that that was easy. Yeah, I think it's always difficult, even when you expect things to turn out well. It's all like like when you say free agency, I mean, when you think of pro athletes in free agency, they're likely going to get some great contract by anybody's standards, a very like hefty payday. But I think anytime you're in your life where you have this uncertainty, where things aren't settled about where you're going to be or what you're going to be doing or what exact amount of money you're going to be making, like what your budget's going to be in your house, things like that. It's tough, man. It's tough to just sit in uncertainty. And you had to do that a few years ago and you had to do that just, you know, these last few months and it's very challenging. It sounds like this job is good. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say a couple of years ago when I was your colleague and friend, at sometimes before I just transition to just being your friend, which is awesome. Uh, <laughs> the difference between that and this, this was way more challenging because at the end of the day, if shit went left, I still had a job at the sometimes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right? Like I there was didn't, no safety net in this case. Huh? There was no safety net. Like you were a true free agent. Up, that I was a true unrestricted free agent. Mm-hmm. And there are times in that where you know how talented you are, but I I think the thing that gets you in our business especially is there are a lot of talented people who are not in great situations, right? Yeah. Uh, and have, have not had great fortune when it comes to jobs. And so some of that creeps in your mind and it's really hard to, to not think about that negative um, yeah. because we work in a really volatile business and uh, I think it's an industry that runs so different than what I think of as like normal lines of work. Yeah. And I, but I like love it and I believe in myself and I, there are people that in places that believe in me. And so it's just trying to think of, yes, it is going to work out. Um, but I, I also don't like to think like a hundred percent like that. Because I think if you get into the, it's all going to work out, I think that allows, like, now I have to work to make sure it works out, right? I'm not just going to, you know what, if I think positively, it's all going to, no, that's not how I operate. Or it's like, no, I'm going to make, it's going to be all right, because I'm going to make sure it's all right. Um, So, yeah. Now, to your point, go ahead. Well, it sounds like this job gets you two things, back to two things that you love, which is sounds like this job gets you back in the ballpark more mm-hmm. and sounds like this job gets you writing more. Yeah. Which while you're very good at all these other things um, and we're very good on the TV show, I mean, you have a, a pen tattooed on your arm like that. I do. That's clear, that's clearly like where everything comes from for you as far as, you know, your, your talent, it starts there. And I, I think part of like being a good writer is, is Part of what makes you a good writer also makes you good at these other things. But I think at your core, 
you're somebody that has a way with words and is a great writer. And this gets you, you back to that. I appreciate that. No, you're 100% correct. It was something where the, the demand of being on a studio show that wasn't strictly baseball required mm-hmm. something out of me that I could no longer give. Um, because I need to be honest with myself about like, what do I care about? Also a privilege. Most people don't get to do that. Um, but my passion and love is writing. So I needed to find a place that would allow me to use that love and passion. Um, but also be able to use a lot of the skills that I did bring, you know, doing a TV show every day. Um, and I'm, I'm still working on some other things where I might still get to do all those different things. But having a place separately that I could write every day if I wanted to, and there are going to be a lot of days during the baseball season where I do because you know it's, it's nine months, and then you could add another three for me as a national reporter um, during the off season. But yeah, it's it's all the things that I have wanted at a place. It's where I needed to be. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So there's something I really wanted to ask y'all about, and it, it hit me this week. Uh, how do y'all cry? Are like, oh, are yeah. you guys, are you guys like criers by nature? Was there a point in your life where you're like, I definitely started crying more? Was it when you had kids? Have you always been an emotional individual? I want to start there. I think you can, I think you can feel a lot of emotions without crying. Um, I cry at funerals pretty much every time. Mm, I probably cry. I bet you I cry like five times a year. Does that sound like a lot or a little? It's probably a little. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, that's a little. Because I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get to, but I'm, I'm usually in that vein. Tone, how about you? Oh yeah, um, I, I cry Sunday and Saturday. Um, I'm a delayed crier for funerals now. Like it don't hit me in the mm-hmm. moment, and then like we had a uh uh the oldest mother at our church. She passed. She's known me my whole life. Our funeral Saturday. Um, and I didn't feel I didn't cry or anything. You know, I was happy to you know I worked the service and stuff like that. I got home. Uh, and we looked over a obituary, me and my wife, and I started crying. 
So like, yeah, yeah, I'm adept. I'm I'm adept at all. And on Sundays, the worship music going. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely songs that songs that will like. uh, There's definitely songs that will make me cry. I sometimes will start crying at uh, at really just inconvenient times and locations. Like I was in a I was in a uh, lift on the way to the airport a few months ago, and I was just sitting in the back looking at my phone, and I came across this video of my grandfather who has passed away. It was a video of him playing with my kids. And I just lost it, man. Like, I just could not keep it together. And we're pulling up to O'Hare and I got my bag and I got to like go in and check in. And I'm just like, I can't like I can't go up to this counter right now. I like I need I kept like thinking I'd kind of like settled it down. And then I would like start thinking about how much I miss my grandfather. And I would just like totally break down. I'm doing all this like at check in. Like, you know, where they have the machines that you walk up to with your bag and you scan in and you and I just like I like keep like thinking I've calmed down and then start walking over. Then I'm like, no, I got to like step back and finish crying. Like it was, yeah. <laughs> it was not, it was not a great time for it. And then like one of, one of my, one of my, I have one of my struggles in life is like, and I don't mean this to be like a humble brag. I really don't. I, there are times when this would serve me so much better to be more just fake with people. Like I have a hard time being inauthentic with people ever. So when somebody asks me how I'm doing and I'm not doing well, it's really difficult for me to just do the easy thing and just say, I'm fine. Like, especially if it's a stranger, like save them the trouble, save me the trouble. And I got up to the counter and like, I'm, I'm sure this guy had seen me and I'm sure my face showed it. And he asked me like how this, this Delta airlines, uh, agent, he's like, you know, Hey, how's your day going so far? And I'm like, it's hard, you know, it's a hard day. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> After you've been bawling your eyes out, um, yeah, you might have seen me. I was the guy across the uh, the lobby there, just just crying and sobbing. My eyes are actually still red right now as I'm talking right. to you. Um, These aren't allergies. the The reason I ask is because I'm I'm like you, Jay. And most of the time, where like I am an emotional human being, in just that I allow myself to feel things. Right? I'll be upset. I'll be happy. Sometimes you get sad. Whatever. Uh, but I don't cry often. Mm-hmm. Um, dog, I've been crying. <laughs> like, like, I don't know. It feels know what good, it doesn't it? I mean, it feels good. I think I, I, I thought about it and I think it is super important for human beings to cry. And I think, like, the last, I've been in a weird emotional space the last couple of months with everything that's been going on you know, job, not knowing your future. It could put you in a weird space. But, Doug, I I bring it up because I was this week. I was I was eating my dinner, and I wanted to watch something while I was eating, and so I flip on Max, and I'm like, you know what? We're not going to make this really complicated. I'm turning Akilah and the Bee off, right? Jason, I don't know if you know Akilah and the Bee. It's a, a, a movie that Oh, yeah, out. yeah. I, I have not seen it, but I know what you're Palmer, talking about. Lawrence Fishburne, Angela Bassett, girl goes off and wins the Scripps National Spelling Bee. Bro, I've watched that movie 10, 15, 20 times, had it at the crib as a kid. Bro, I watched Aquila in a Bee. And in the movie, for everybody who's out there, if, if I'm spoiling for you, I'm sorry. It's been out for like 13 years. It's been out for a long um, enough. Yeah. Keith Palmer it, has a baby now. 
Yes. Uh, <laughs> in the movie, Akila uh, was being trained for the Scripps National Spellabee by Dr. Larrabee, uh, Lawrence Fishburne's character. And over this time they're training, he has a daughter that passes away, and he looks at Akila now as his daughter, and then he realizes it and says, I have to stop teaching you. Uh, be- I, can't, I can't train you anymore because he was in a, this an emotional place where he couldn't do it. And so then he comes back over to his house with the jump rope that he gave her that was his daughter's jump rope. And she was just like, hey, I need you, blah, blah, blah. He's like, there's nothing more I can teach you. And then she was just like, I know you lost your daughter. I'm sorry, um, but I need you to get where we're going to go. Like, we've been training for this. And he goes, when we get to, like, I can't do it. And he goes, when you and I get to Washington, D.C., we're going to make sure we give them a run for our money. Dog, I lost it. Like, I'm, I'm, I've seen like that. I've, just telling us. I've seen, I'm seeing that moment. I've seen it 15, 20 times. And in that moment, I am tears run down my eyes, nippling. I'm just like, and it's not sad. It's a great part of the movie. But it's just like little stuff like that lately has been getting me. Like, I've been, uh, 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 music catches me in the right mood. Like, I'm talking just music that takes you to a time in life that was super enjoyable. Uh, Songs that I've heard a hundred times, emotional, right? Thinking about people that I care about and I miss who not even necessarily have passed away or anything like that. Just like people I care about that I love that I haven't seen in a while. I'll start crying. Like it has been really weird. But in that, I do think it's, it's been good for me. Yeah, I think that is good for you. You should feel your feelings. And... For me, I think it's a lot more like more so music than movies. I think because I think I view music as more authentic. Like this is something somebody wrote that they really believe in. Movies. It's always hard for me to get past the the knowledge that these are actors, and I love movies. And I love great acting, but it's I I just don't usually get all the way in because I know it's actors. I will say the end of Toy Story three. I didn't cry, but I felt something. This when guy. the toys were all going into the incinerator, <laughs> you there's this, thought it was a rat. Yeah. I can't believe that's a kid's movie for one, but like there's a point where they're all just kind of sinking in and creeping toward the incinerator. And it's like, it's over. And they all just like, they all just hold hands. It's, it's getting to me right now. They all just hold hands and brace for death together. Yep. And like, man, fun. this is intense. I cried. Uh, like I saw the notebook. <laughs> wow i would not have I, I feel you you I, i've heard i've heard that from brothers before um Ooh. like uh no you lift you in a car ribbon in the sky comes on you're like oh my god <laughs> like stevie was writing his ass off when he wrote ribbon in the sky you know what i mean <laughs> stuff like that like i'll be walking you know on the lakefront and there's like a dad and his kids and they playing tears just like because they, they, they tend to be like oh man look at that that's so beautiful and then it's like oh man i have a dad i love my dad like, <laughs> like that boo-hooing bro so nah, I, I i was like 
I cried watching Akeel and the Bee the other day, like multiple times throughout the movie too. It wasn't just in that one scene, like the the scene where she like throws it, throws the championship to because the other dude had never won and his dad was like really mean to him. I'm like, mm-hmm. somebody wanted to do that for somebody else, even though he was mean the whole movie. Tears. Um, I was just like, movie ends, and I'm like, I can't believe I cried for the last 45 minutes watching this movie. I've seen a hundred times, and I'm like, I can't wait to talk about this on a podcast. <laughs> it's a needed that thing. Makes, yeah, it makes it's me happy to hear that. Like, people need to you know, realize like, hey man, like that's that that's a part of being human is crying. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to have someone now. You still got, you know, you gotta go on, you know, you still got stuff to do, people to take care of and stuff like sure. that. You gotta, uh, you gotta finish that grocery trip for us. You gotta you gotta finish that, you know. <laughs> Tone sound like Mark Jackson. Hey, Nobody. Hey, <laughs> Not hey. <today. laughs> no emotions. Not today. <laughs> Not today. But yeah, get I on mean, that flight. It's, it's it's okay to have those those emotions, and it's normal. Um, you know, some people suppress that uh, because maybe it lose weakness, or it's it hinders you, or people think it you know from doing or pursuing or being something. Uh, but you know, see, you know, it always gives me to seeing your parents cry like see like me seeing my dad cry like and i because i don't see him cry often mm-hmm. but it gets me every time and i'm like man if if he's crying like ah that must be something something going on so but yeah yeah i you know i enjoy a good cry sometimes it's always a good thing. It always comes from a good place, no matter what, whether you're crying like in sorrow or whatever, like it's always coming from a place of how deeply you care about someone else or how moved you are by something else. Have you ever, Russ, have you ever cried while you were, uh, man, I, you, and I was talking, I was thinking about like crying at the airport and like how, you know, how much, if I am going to cry, I'd rather it not be there. But yeah, like, you said I, you said it, 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 cry places that are very inconvenient, and I thought that's. I got, I I got told uh, I was covering a Bears preseason game a couple of years ago, and I got told right before the game that someone that I uh, a friend of mine had died unexpectedly. Um, and it's like the game's about to start, and it's like that's hard to process in the moment. Um, and I remember the next day I was in a Starbucks somewhere in Ohio like working on uh whatever I had to write that day. And I just like broke down for like 10 to 15 minutes, just like that. Like it was on delay. Kind of like Tony was saying, like that next morning in a Starbucks, I just like 10, 15 minutes crying. Like I'm, I'm, su- I'm surprised someone didn't come over and like ask me if I was okay, honestly. But um, I, I was going to ask you, have you ever uh, been so moved by a story that you've worked on that you, or some, something you were writing or an interview that you had done or anything that had brought you to that point? Once in college, uh, I was covering a, a guy that I had, <clears throat> excuse me, known really well. About the no, that was actually. <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good time to clear your throat because it makes me like I was about to cry. No, but uh, a guy I had known for a while, name was Noah, player on the baseball team, and his dad passed away before the season started. 
Mm. And so, you know, talking to him about, and he was like killing it. Like he was like leading the, the nation and like hitting like something crazy that would be very difficult to do when you just, you lose the person who helped you get here. Um, and he was like, so composed and calm about everything. Like sitting down to write that was challenging, not because I didn't think the world needed to see that story because it, they did. And I think it was a good story. And I think thinking about how important my dad was for me in terms of baseball one and like the getting to this point in like life and my career as it pertains to baseball, like I wouldn't have that without my dad. And so to see this guy perform at the highest level, the best he's ever played his senior year, he's going to graduate in a couple of weeks. And it is like to, to lose a parent is crazy. And so like, that was really hard for me um, just as a human being. Cause like, you're like, I don't like thinking about this. Yeah. Um, but also the courage that this guy and his brother and his mom have to be able to even talk about it with me. Cause I, I thought it was a, a story that people needed to, to hear, but I was mm. also very uncomfortable even asking him if he wanted to talk about it. Mm, yeah. Um, so that was also really hard. I had uh, a lot of that when I covered high schools. I covered high schools in South Florida for maybe like a year and a half. And it just, you get to know people so much better in that scenario. Um, that's not a job that hardly anyone aspires to. That's usually a kind of a stepping stone on your way, on your climb. Um, but you would meet kids. You would talk to kids who had been through hard things. There was a kid who had lost his dad in 9-11. There was a kid who had come over from uh, poverty in Africa. There were kids who had lost parents. There were all kinds of things. Um I think there have been three times where something at work has brought me to tears. And one was uh, interviewing a mom the day after her son had been murdered, her high school son, who was a football player in South Florida, who had uh, had D1 scholarship offers and a credible future ahead of him. Um, that was tough. Um there was another story on more of like a positive note. There was a story that I did about, and again, this was a high school football player, um, who this family uh, that had a son on the football team adopted another player on the football team who was 17 years old. And if you know anything about this world, 17-year-old uh, kids don't get really adopted. That doesn't really happen. People usually when they're adopting are looking for the youngest possible kid to kind of have as normal of a possible, a conventional as possible of a family situation. They adopted this kid at 17 because their, their kids, their son and him were best friends and he was in and out of foster care, I think, um, if I remember right. And they adopted him at 17 because they wanted him to, even though he was about to be an adult anyway, legally, they wanted him to be able to have a family, like have a place that he comes back to when he's uh, 
on break in college or something like that, or for the summer, like have a play, have roots where he belongs, that this was not just a decision to help him as a kid, but this was going to be like long-term, this was going to mean something to him. And I, I had gone to their house and was interviewing um, all of them. So it was like the mom, the dad, and the their son, and the son that they had adopted, and the two older sisters who I think were like college or adult age daughters, um, just sitting around like their dining table interviewing them. And when I was listening back to them talk about that later, listening back to my recording of that interview, that conversation, it was just like, I was so moved by it. Um, and the other, the third one was, uh, you know, I mostly have covered sports. It's very rare that I've ever been asked um, in any, at any time in my 20 years or so doing this to cover something outside of sports, but it happens sometimes. And I was called in to work on the, uh, the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. And I was, I went the day after it happened. I went up there to kind of talk to people, talk to people in the community, talk to parents, talk to students, get a sense of, uh, what this felt like, I guess for them. And there was an interview with the dad of one of the kids or, or, um, yeah, one of the, a dad of one of the kids who had been killed. And I was like on deadline. This was at night. They had had a vigil or something at night. And I had just zipped as fast as I could to a Starbucks to sit here and try to, you know, write this and file a story and just listening to what the dad was saying about how like, you know, his last memory of seeing his daughter before she went to school, just like was too much for me. I just broke down crying in that Starbucks again. But I think even when it's something sad like that, I think it, it still comes from such a good part of you in your empathy with other people, um, your, your compassion for what someone else is going through, or if it's, you know, a situation like, you know, where you lose someone close to you, it's, I, this sounds trite probably in the moment, but it truly is reflective of how much you love that person and how much that person meant to you. All Star Weekend was after y'all did the the last week's pod, yeah. Oh, NBA All Star Weekend, yeah, uh, yeah, it was this past weekend. Oh, yeah, okay. You know, we don't have to talk about it. I just, it's over. I didn't watch. Anything. What happened? What happened at All Star Weekend? I couldn't tell you because I didn't watch. Oh, okay. I thought there was some like something from the streets. The streets were talking or something. Okay. I didn't watch. I didn't watch the game. I didn't watch the three point contest. I didn't watch. Uh, I didn't. Either I had other things Kenny, going on. Kenny Smith, forget it. Like forgetting we were in twenty twenty four. I didn't I did see watch. those highlights. That was yeah, hilarious. That was crazy because that's Brandon that's how you know nobody watched. Him. That's how you watch nobody. Yo, Kenny should have got canceled. Kenny should have been canceled yes. on Sunday. But nobody watched, so it didn't watch. matter. No, um, <laughs> I got away with the, it. The dunk contest featured a G leaguer, a dude who just gotten up from the G league. A dude that doesn't dunk, but he can hoop, but he just doesn't dunk. Jalen Brown. They should bring and back Hall of Famers. They should bring back retired Hall of Famers for the dunk contest, just to see if they can still dunk. Who can convince, convince, still dunk at sixty, and it will be called "Who Can Get It Up," brought to you by Cialis or something like that. It'd be great. I just thought of this just now. I just, but I love it was it. like yeah. it was terrible. Let's see if dog. Scott Skiles can get up there. 
the games are not competitive. Uh, like the dunk contest, it's definitely over. And here's my thing. They called Mac McClung, who's not even in the NBA. He's in the G League. I've never heard uh, of that guy. I don't know who that is. But that's because you're first, old. So I, and I, don't I heard his name and I saw it in the headline. And I didn't mean that as a shot to you. But Mac McClung is a guy that I've been watching, Tony's been watching since he was in high school because mm-hmm. he's been the best dunker in the world since he was in high school. And he might be one of the best dunkers ever. Tone, you agree with me? Like, but he doesn't play on the he team. Does. He's not in the NBA, though. No. no. But okay. he is. He's, so he'd he's be great for, he's... like, the Globetrotters. Yes. But he also happens to be the best dunker in the world. And so it's just like, it's cool. It's cool to watch him be the best dunker in the world on Instagram at 15 and then be able to win the dunk contest. So, like, his dunk contest last year and even some of the stuff he did this year is like, all right, dog, you were far better than your com- competition and deserve to win it. Like, he was doing some, like, his dunks last year were insanity and he made them all on the first try, which is very important. You got dudes going four, five, six attempts, dudes we've never heard of. And, like, for Matt McClung, most of the world who they're trying to target has heard of him because of social media. But it's just like the fact that dudes aren't doing it, the fact that people don't care, it makes the weekend bad. It was already in Indianapolis, and shout out to people who live in Indy who listen to this podcast. I don't, I'm not trying to knock you. Um, I bet that steak and shake across the street from the arena was bussing. St. Elmo going crazy. A lot of shrimp cocktail being sold over the weekend. But like, it was bad. Like, me and Tony, neither of us watched the game. I don't know what happened during that game. I know the score was like the score was like two hundred and ten to one hundred and ninety. I know that because like I gotten to a point now, like at thirty one. It's like if you're not gonna care about it, I'm not gonna care about it. There we go. Like if if your best represent representatives of your league aren't gonna care about this, yeah, I'm not gonna care about it. I'm not gonna. I don't understand why they're so confused. They're so like, how do we fix this? How do we make them care about it? How do you make anyone care about anything? Money. money. I don't know if that. I don't know. If well, what if we do the no, money? Where dudes are money. making three hundred million dollars. Right? Like, rich people about- don't turn down money. Like I, I think like they still, they still, they if you you can still find some kind of financial incentive that's going to make LeBron James care at least a little more about this. During the in season tournament, dudes were giving that money to like younger players, dudes on two two way deals. If I'm making three hundred million, yeah, but that was like big. Jalen Brown, that that was incentive though. What you're saying that was incentive. There was incentive in that in season tournament for even the guys like LeBron and Anthony Davis because that money mattered to guys that mattered to them. But if we're you know all I mean? making forty five million dollars a year, you can give us all a million dollars and we won't care. Yeah, but what if it's like a million dollars to their to their to all of the winning teams, you know, charitable organizations or or what if like what if everybody on your actual team gets money if your team wins? Like if like if the team LeBron's on wins the All-Star game, now all the Lakers get, you know, something from that because he's representing them. Money. Whatever it is, it's going to be money. I don't think that's all you that's, can do, to be honest with you. That's the way to incentivize like, them. That's what, exactly. Like I don't going get in so there confusing to them. It's what they just did. Like, it's what they just did with the in-season tournament. Okay, we want you to care about this, so we're attaching money to it. But now that the Lakers could possibly not make the playoffs, like 
it could also have a reverse effect where people are like, hey, you can win this thing. It don't mean nothing because the Lakers did not make the playoffs and they won it last year. So, or I mean, they can just say it's not worth pushing so hard in the beginning of the season. And then the Lakers lost like, you know, 15 or 17. Like it is not worth it to me at that point. So they could also have a reverse effect. So, the thing that always good. moves anything in sports is money. The reason that the NFL players will tell you at every turn, we don't want to go to 17 games, but then definitely voted for 17 games is more money. There's so much money in these things, especially now with the sports gambling partnerships. Like there's enough money available to make it worthwhile for these guys to try to win the all-star game. They just got to, that's the thing they got to get creative about. It's not about finding creative solutions in general. It's about finding a creative solution that involves money. DraftKings, FanDuel, prize picks would happily throw their name on some little check and or incentive where it's like, prize picks is giving each winning team $13 million. Or, mm-hmm. And they going to yeah. bust it down. Like, cool. But no, it was bad. It was a bad weekend. Uh, the Sabrina Ionescu against Steph was really cool. Really cool, but even in that, you had Kenny, and and it's I, that it surprised me. Like he Man, also drunk, drunk. Nah, she, he should have shot from the women's line. He shot from the men's line and got twenty six. There were four dudes that tied behind Damian Lillard in the final for the three point contest, and they all had twenty six. So, like the argument that she should have shot from the women's line is stupid. And so it's just like you had that, and then you have Kevin Hart like, all right, coming up. We got the dunk on. It's just like, get us out of here, Kevin Hart. It was not, <laughs> it was not a good weekend. Here's a dunk contest that no one knows who's dunking. Yeah, enough of the misogyny. Here's the dunk contest. <laughs> like it was, it was crazy. Uh, let's do the news, Russ. All right. We're going to put your uh, national baseball writer expertise to good use because, you know, that's your job. So you need to have some are you putting on your national this? baseball writer hat on the vibe. Okay. Um, can I guess the story? We haven't talked about this at all. Uh, yes, we have had no conversation about this. Let's see if you can guess what I want to discuss from the world of baseball. Is it the dog shit fanatics jerseys? Yes. It absolutely hey. is. Well, but it's Nike. It's Nike. It's not Fanatics. Fanatics is Fanatics has been on record saying, "Hey, we hey, we can't control this. This is a Nike problem." Interesting. Uh yeah, you would think Nike would be great at making sports uniforms because they make all of them practically and they have been for a long time, but uh it's not going very well with the new Nike uniforms this year. Uh players have complained that they look and feel like replicas. Mm-hmm. Which I just don't. Under- I get how like some of your trial and error isn't going to work out, but I don't understand how this doesn't get kind of sorted out before it goes to launch. Um, an Orioles player was quoted saying that they look like quote a knockoff from TJ Maxx. Which as a TJ <laughs> Maxx shopper, as a TJ Maxx shopper, let me clarify: they don't sell knockoffs. They just sell jerseys you don't want anymore. Like it's a you you'll go there and you'll buy a Mitch Trubisky Bears jersey. It's not a knockoff. It, it's not ten dollars because it's fake. It's ten dollars because nobody wants them. And now now the big problem this week, Russ, as players are taking like their portraits for the start of the season, like their media day, their media day stuff, is that the pants, the white pants, are see through. 
like flagrantly see-through. Like you can totally see <laughs> the, you the bottom. Nah, not that flagrant, but like maybe eventually once they get out there and start sweating and playing in them, I don't know. You can, totally see the bottom, you can see the bottom of the jersey tucked in. Like what's going on here is my question. So you see cheeks. You can't necessarily see me, but you can see cheeks. All I know is I don't know who dropped the ball here, but somebody got getting fired because these are the like baseball jerseys are so cool, but now you have the names that are it seems like 30% smaller than they were last year. The font looks smaller, yeah. The font looks smaller. They look weird. It looks cheap. It looks and cheap for Nike is crazy, but they look cheap. They have like the cool part about baseball jersey, like they have the stitching where it's just like that. No, that's stitch. Like that's real, authentic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And places, teams that used to have stitching, it's just like a patch that they like glued on. Like it is not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Well, and they're still selling them for the same price or more than they've ever sold them. Like, oh, like if you, if you want to buy one in the uh, gift shop, it's still going to cost you several hundred dollars. Hey, pray that they still have some of the old jerseys and go buy that. There you go. Uh, speaking of great sports apparel, Donald Trump has launched a basketball sneaker. Did you guys see this? I heard about it. Oh, well, you're about to see it because he, uh, he he released a high top basketball sneaker this week that he's selling for $400 on his website. This is what it looks like. Tony's dancing like he wants a pair. Tone getting some. You're not getting a pair, Tone. They're sold out, according to Donald Trump. They had uh, thousand- those things are mad ugly, yo. Tone still gets off. <laughs> They're all gold. Uh, he, he's... He's also released a uh, a Yeezy style shoe or maybe a running shoe. Um, that's going for $200 on his website. And they're saying already these things are sold out. There were a thousand pairs of these high top gold sneakers. They were sold out. One thing I found interesting looking through his website at these shoes is every photo. So like this photo I'm showing you guys of the gold high top sneakers. Um, every photo has a disclaimer underneath it. <laughs> of course it does. That says, uh, this is for illustration purposes only, and the actual product might not look like this. Oh, my God. Okay. So you're supposed to commit through 400 or 200, whatever you're paying, whichever shoe you're getting. Think. But it might not look like this. It might just be totally different. That's Trump crazy. said that he's been wanting to release this, uh, release a sneaker for 12 or 13 years which sounds like we now know how long his inner circle can hold him off of a bad idea. That's the max they can make it is they can, cause that this idea of him releasing a basketball shoe, that's all gold with the American flag and a giant T on it. That just seems like an idea that everyone was afraid to say no to. And everyone like didn't want to lose their job over telling him like, this is really not the way to go. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel said that what Tom? He's learning from his mistakes. You know, he's learning from his stakes, maybe. I mean, he's had the he's had the fake stakes, he's had the fake college, he's had the the, you know, now now the shoes. Yeah, I mean, he's getting in trouble, right, for you know, messing with the the funding, you know, of the campaign money. He's like, you know what? How about we sell stuff on the side legitimately? So we don't have to do this and run this back again where I got to go to court and all that. Like they just, just hand me the money. I'll give you some shoes. And that way I don't have to dip into the campaign. Fund. 
he's uh he trying to do that the the lavar ball the sell shoes that people never get yeah and and haven't been yeah made yet yeah well these are the never surrender high top sneakers these are the uh the kind of yeezy type ones i think it's kind of meant to be a knockoff of that there's the white ones the white the white and gold look kind of good Tone getting so he gonna get all three colorways. <laughs> uh, Jimmy Kimmel oh, said of these big teeth. of these gold never surrender high top uh, sneakers from Donald Trump that they look like shoes you'd wear to a flag day mall walk with Mister T. Russ, uh, I'm sure you've heard some bad baby names in your day. Uh, I mean, everybody always wants to present their baby to you and you know you always have to kind of act like uh, that was a great choice that you named your your baby mm-hmm. gary or something um and there's some names i don't think they use anymore and gary's probably one of them there's probably no baby being named gary or clarence or something like that or ethel anymore yeah i i can't picture someone like showing you their baby and being like this here's my here's my baby her name is phyllis you know, something like that. Uh, but the New York Post has a story about a 20-year-old mother who came up with a name that's worse than any of the ones that we just mentioned. Um, came from a good place, but sometimes, you know, the execution of an idea doesn't work out. Uh, I know some people whose name is what's called a portmanteau of their parents' names. So it's like a combination of the mom's name and the dad's names. Um, and a lot of times that works out and creates a unique name that sounds fine. Uh, but this woman, when her baby was born, uh, wanted to name the baby after her grandparents, whose names are Harvey and Charlotte. And so Not she Harley. combined those and went with Harlot. Oh, yeah. no. H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E. Tone, you're, you're, if a, a picture is normally like you know a thousand words, but not on a podcast. So like your your face, that's, I can't even describe the discomfort. Word, the discomfort you have some, right now. That's some real nasty word. They Yo, harlot is that, that kid's changing their name as soon as they're able to. Like the parent has to change that name. The parent has to change that name. Charlotte, the hell's wrong with them? Right or anything, anything, but like change that baby's name to Susan. And you know what? Yes, it's going to be embarrassing later on to be like, you know, mom was 20. She was not that bright uh, at the time. And she named you Harlot without realizing what that word meant. And we changed your name legally when you were three months old. This is over and done. Yes, that's embarrassing, but not as embarrassing as going your entire life named Harlot. Dog, somebody, when you're thinking of this terrible idea, you're like, you know, my name is Harvey. Your name is Charlotte. What if we did Harlot? You have to immediately be like, no, no, bad idea. No. And it's an old timey word. It's an old timey word. Like I I could understand that somebody wouldn't have heard of it. But the first time somebody else mentions it to you, what it means, you need to change that. You can't just let your kid go through life named that. That's not possible. No, that's the uh, the family. The family's been trying to come up with a, with nicknames instead, of course. And one of the nicknames they've come up with because the baby has kind of like a, an, um, I don't know, like a 
I don't know what you would call it, but kind of like a, a, a little like button nose. They've been going with uh, Piglet, which not a great nickname, but better than Harlot. Name the baby that. And finally, Russ, a 58-year-old man in Rhode Island killed a rabid coyote with his bare hands. And usually I like to, you know, the animal news to be like kind of interesting and funny news about animals. Right. Uh, but, you know, we got a rabid coyote. We got to deal with it. And this guy dealt with it with his bare hands. This man was hiking in the woods in Johnston, Rhode Island. This is a story from the Associated Press. When a coyote attacked him and bit him in the leg, he killed it after it bit him by strangling it. And there had been a rabid coyote attack earlier in the month in that area. So the local authorities hope now that they have caught and killed this rabid coyote that that kind of ends the threat. They're hoping if they they're still researching to kind of trace back if that coyote is the one responsible for the attack earlier in the month. And if it is, then maybe kind of problem solved here unless, you know, unless it's spread, unless there's other pets or something that have been affected by it. I wouldn't I don't think I'd be able to do it. I mean, you kind of think like if my life depended on it, I would do whatever I had to do to live. But I I will I will back down from pretty much any confrontation with an animal. Like any animal that doesn't scurry away from me, any animal that kind of like bows up and is like I'm about that action. Is your I'm right. not. Okay, you got it. Yeah, I'm not about that action. Like no, I'll stand down. That's the news. Okay. Uh, this was a fun episode of Sports Adjacent today. It was good to be back with you guys. Yeah, it was good to have you back. It was hard. It was very hard to find a replacement for you on Valentine's Day. I I don't remember if we talked about this last week, but like I didn't process that when I was talking to you. Because you called me just so for full disclosure, so everyone hears yeah. this. Like Russ wasn't trying to get out of doing anything. No. Russ called me and he's like, Hey, this is not gone the way I thought it would today. It's going to end up being really late. I don't want to do that to you guys, make you guys have to wait and record this, you know, in the middle of the night or whatever. Uh, and he's on West Coast time. So it's making it two hours later on our time. And, he, you know, he's got a lot going on. He's not out there on vacation. He's got, you know, meetings. And stuff. I'm like, buddy, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's fine. Like you got stuff going on. Right. I was at the, uh, the Yahoo offices in Los Angeles and I thought I was going to be there for like two hours max. Mm -hmm. Plenty of time to get back to my place. And I was staying in Pasadena and where their office is, is not Pasadena. Nice. Um, no, I love so, staying in Pasadena, yeah. but it's not close it's the to... Best. Yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, it's not close to anything where usually where you are. That's where I always stay when, I, when I'm in LA. Um, but I, so I very like instinctively was like, hey, don't worry about it, man. Like, we'll figure this out. And then I start going through my phone and I'm like, oh man, like everybody's going to have plans tonight. <laughs> like there's going to be nobody available. And I came upon Maddie Lee thinking, oh, there we go. Not that Maddie Lee is some, you know, loser with no social life. In fact, she's had a serious boyfriend for a long time. Right. Yeah. Relationship. Relationship. I like him. But, came to my but, Maddie Lee's, but Maddie Lee is a uh, baseball writer. And spring training just started, and I'm like, I bet you she's sitting in Arizona 
Not necessarily with nothing to do, but not with Valentine's plans. And sure enough, I guessed right. Poor Maddie. She was great, though. She was great. She was. She's always, she always, she always uh, like brings a good, like kind of brightness. I feel like to our to our show every time she's on, and she's been on probably what three, four, five times by now. Mm-hmm. Tony Gill, the littest producer in the game, is brought to you by Sheets and Giggles. You can go to sheetsgiggles.com/sa, and what you're going to want to do is take advantage of their President's Day sale for the month of February. They're doing $460 off the mattress, $46 off sheets. There's been 46, we're on our 46th president. So president's day, that's how they got that number. Um, that's a good sale in itself. But if you use sheetsgiggles.com slash SA, which is our link or our promo code, which is just simply sports, they'll give you an extra 10% off of that sale. So you, our listeners will be getting a better deal than even what is already a good deal that everybody else is getting. Just go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. They'll apply the discount automatically at checkout. Or if you you know really want to be sure about it, you can type in the promo code. Either way, you can type in sports or you can go to sheetsgiggles.com slash SA. Sports Jason is also brought to you by BetMGM. You can go to betmgm.com or download the BetMGM app. Use our promo code adjacent1000 and they'll give you this, this uh, promo offer where your first bet with BetMGM, if you don't win, it gets paid back in free future betting credits up to $1,500. Just use adjacent 1000. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks. Everybody, go have yourself a good cry this week. (laughs) And when you do that, we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Adjacent with Jason Leisure and Russell Dorsey. Be sure to download, subscribe, and give the podcast five stars. You can check out the latest episode of Sports Adjacent on all digital streaming platforms. I'm very much adjacent. For a couple hours, I thought I was hood. But then all that happened, I was like, you know what, James? You adjacent to the mother Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.